Welcome to another episode of Canary Cast, where we talk about the issues affecting workers in our country, and we talk to workers around our great state of Ohio. On this episode, I talk to my longtime friend Lee Saunders, president of one of America's most important unions, AFSCME, the American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees. Also talk with a worker from Mount Vernon, Ohio, uh, Gina Campolo, who cares for severely developmentally disabled Ohioans and is also a member of AFSCME. I heard from Gina and Lee about what union representation means to them and their families. We talked about how having the freedom to band together with other workers and to have a voice in their workplaces, how that all affects their careers, their health care, their safety, their paychecks. We talked about a case before the United States Supreme Court, Janice versus ASME. That case is their latest effort to chip away at workers' power in the workplace. If the United States Supreme Court rules against the union in this case, it will limit workers' freedom to organize and to advocate for themselves. I started by asking Gina about the work she does for Ohio, and she works at the Mount Vernon Developmental Center in Central Ohio, not too far from where I grew up. Um, well, we, we serve a variety of populations all over the spectrum, um, from people that are total care, um, that need somebody to literally get them out of bed, get them dressed, brush their teeth, um, things that you and I just take for granted people do, um, to the opposite end, um, people that um, have behavioral issues, um, many behaviors, from sexual behaviors to aggressive behaviors to stealing behaviors, um, which makes it difficult for them to live out into a community setting because they don't know how to function in day-to-day life like a lot of other people do. If you Do you know people that do your kind of work and don't have a union standing behind them? And how, how, is, how is that different if you know people like that? Um, I do know people that work in, in private sector without a union, and um, their wages are substantially less than ours, anywhere from 10 to $12 an hour. The turnover rate is much higher in those places, so you see people jumping from job to job looking probably for the better benefit um, and things like that. Um, so they just don't... Again, they don't get to take the time to to provide the necessary care for the people. Although they do care for similar individuals, um, you know, they don't have the training behind them to deal with behaviors. um, So people get hurt more frequently. Um, It's just totally different. So you um, you are caring for an individual. And it takes some time when a new person shows up that you build the trust because you know how to do it, but that person over time will begin to trust you. And you say at a non-union place where work, where benefits are lower, working conditions probably aren't as good, and wages aren't as good, that the people turn over more quickly and those relationships have to start again with day one, right? Is that what you're saying? Uh, absolutely, that's what happened. I take care of a young man now, um, who previously lived in another developmental center here in the state. But a few years ago, the state had decided to close a couple of centers, and his was one of the closed centers. So his family made the tough decision and actually moved him out into a private 
group home setting. Um, it didn't go very well for him, so he now does live in Mount Vernon, and um, quite frankly, he's doing incredibly well. Um, you know, it, it, but it has taken time to build that relationship, and and you know, he's nonverbal, so to pick up on his signs and what it is he wants and needs, um, and we've been able to provide that for him. Jenny, you've told me that you've done this job for you've been working there for 18 years, correct? Yes. And so you have some patients, you have some people you've worked with that have known you literally for years, I assume, right? Yes. Yeah, th- yes. Think about um, think about that when, as a caregiver, how important that is mm-hmm. to the to the person and to the face. So you've mm-hmm. you've known brothers, sisters, children, parents of some of your clients or customers or patients for years, also. Yes, and and like I said, sometimes we actually do become the family because many of the people that that live in our facilities don't actually have family involvement. They, they have a adult protective services as their guardian. And so that person maybe sees them, you know, on occasion for different meetings or whatever. But to have a mom, dad, brother, sister come and visit, that doesn't happen often. So for me to be there every day of the week, I am their family. I am the person that that they consider their loved one. And I assume, uh, Gina, that there is more than one Gina Campolo uh, working at the Mount Vernon Developmental Center. There, there are a number of you that have been there a lot of years and people see as a sister or a father or a brother or a child, right? Thank goodness, yes, there are. There that, are a whole bunch of us that, um, that stick it out and continue to do the work. That, that, that's what makes me proud of you and, and of this union. talk more about this in a minute, but I want you to remember what Gina said. When she talks about what her union has meant to her, she's not just talking about wages and benefits. She's talking about her patients, about safety, about quality care for the people who depend on her. Her union card just doesn't just benefit her. It benefits those around her as well. I want to switch for a moment to Lee. Now, Lee, Lee Saunders, longtime friend of mine, uh, I didn't know him when he started working. Um, with when he first carried his Ask Me card, but he grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, um, is president now of the of one of the great greatest unions in our country, the American Federation of State County Municipal Employees. What tell me tell me about when you first started? You first got an Ask Me card, and what it meant to you, Lee? If you if you can think back that many years, Lee, uh, I try can. to do that. I think it's going to take me some time, but I think I can. Uh, you know, it's uh, I have a, a similar experience uh, that Gina had when she was growing up. Uh, my father was a uh, bus driver in the city of Cleveland. Uh, he was a proud member of the Amalgamated Transit Union. Uh, he worked for CTS at the time. Now it's RTA. Uh, he would come home, and with my mother, who was a community activist, uh, they would drill into my brother's head, my head, about the importance of solidarity, the importance of uh, uh, communities coming together to fight for what you believed in, my dad would always say that if you had an opportunity to work for a union job, grab it, take it, and be an active member of that union. So we really, my brother and I grew up in that kind of atmosphere uh, to the point where he was a proud CWA member until he retired. Uh, and I have been with AFSCME now since 1978. I actually uh, was a, uh, a member of OCSEA, uh, the affiliate that Gene is a member of, an affiliate of AFSCME in Ohio. I uh, was a state employee at the Bureau of Employment Services. And, uh, you know, it's in, my, it's in my blood. It's in my heart. It's in my soul as far as what unions do uh, and how we support 
uh, working families, how we support our members, but we support working families. We support our communities across the country. Uh, you know, we, we call people like Gina and the 1.6 million members that we have across the country who provide essential public services uh, in almost any occupation you can think of in the public service and the public sector. We call them everyday heroes who never quit uh, because they are everyday heroes. You heard her story. I mean, they are treated like family members. Uh, they believe in public services. They want to help people. That's why you get into public service, because you want to support and help and nurture people. Uh, and uh, that's what our union is all about. That's what public service is all about. That's what Gene is all about. That's what I'm all about. So many Americans who belong to unions have stories about what their first union contract meant to them that they passed down to their children like Lee's and Gina's parents did. A few years ago, I was at a labor dinner in Cincinnati. I was talking to a group of women who had just signed their first union contract, mostly middle-aged women. They had just bargained their first union contract, the Service Employees International Union. They had a 1,200-member bargaining unit. They were custodians in downtown Cincinnati. The union contract was with the owners and the management companies of the downtown Cincinnati office building where they worked. As I sat down at the only empty seat at that table, I turned to, turned to one woman and said, what's it mean to have a union? She looked at him and she said, I'm, I'm 51 years old. This will be the first time in my life I've had a one-week paid vacation. First time in her life she had a one-week paid vacation. She, she, she and these other workers earned it. I think of all the other things we use vacation days for every day, from parent-teacher conferences to needing to take your car to the shop. Far too many Americans have to miss out on pay just to do the things that so many of us take for granted. For many workers like that Cincinnati janitor, it's only because they have the freedom to band together and fight for themselves through a union. Hear about that from Lee and Gina. You know, when I was a state employee uh, in Ohio, uh, and I was a member of OCSEA, at that time, and that was in the um, mid to late 1970s, uh, public service workers didn't have collective bargaining in the state of Ohio. Uh, we fought for it and uh, lobbied for it, and finally we were able to convince uh, the legislature to pass, and the governor signed uh, collective bargaining legislation, which permitted uh, state and city and county and school district uh, public service workers for the first time to have collective bargaining. But when I was a state employee, we didn't have it. Now, you could deal with grievances and things of that nature, but it was very a very limited form of representation. Uh, I came back to Ohio, Sherrod, <clears throat> in the mid-1980s when I was working for the uh, Research and Collective Bargaining Department uh, for the National Union. Uh, here in Washington, D.C., when my wife and I moved to D.C. And I actually was one of the head negotiators, and we negotiated the first state contract in Ohio. Uh, and I got to tell you, I mean, we, we negotiated, and Gina probably knows where this is, we negotiated in Columbus at the state fairgrounds uh, because we had so many people that were involved in the process. Uh, our bargaining team was over 200 people, but we wanted a large bargaining team because this was the first contract. This was where we were going to really set the marker down as far as improving the wages and benefits and working conditions, safety and health uh, for those that we represented. When we were able to conclude those negotiations, uh, and this is no exaggeration, there were tears of joy uh, in, the, in, uh, in that place uh, with folks who have never had collective bargaining, uh, who have never had a contract. 
uh, and they came together and they fought for that contract, uh, and they saw the results of con- of that contract with better wages, better benefits, better working conditions, uh, and we've continued that momentum throughout. And that's why it's so important that uh, not only our members in Ohio, but uh, members across the country uh, have the right and the ability to seat, sit at the table, to have a seat at that table, uh, so they can have a, a say in their working conditions, so they can have a say in determining the future of their work life. And I've got to tell you, I mean, that was, uh, that was one of the proudest moments of my life, to be able to go back to Ohio and participate and negotiate that first contract and see what it really meant uh, for our members there. So many people who don't belong to unions, particularly people in Washington, don't really understand what collective bargaining is. They don't understand union negotiations. They haven't thought about what collective bargaining means. It means workers having a seat at the table, a voice in the decisions that are made about their lives and their work. In our last episode, we spoke with Teamsters who gave up at the bargaining table pay raises today. Today may have been 20 or 30 years ago, so they'd have a pension for later, they give up wages in in their their first year in the job in the 1980s, or they gave up wages. They're giving up wages now because they're putting money aside um, for their benefits later for a more comfortable retirement. That's what people in this town too often don't understand. But these negotiations aren't only about pay or even benefits. They're also about giving workers a say in their safety in the job, their ability to do their best quality work for the people they serve. People like the patients that Gina cares for or students in a classroom. Hear from Gina and Lee about the kind of trade-offs they make in their contract negotiations. We are currently actually going through our contract negotiations now, um, and I am part of the negotiating team. And and there are trade-offs. I mean, you know, we know in a 30,000-member union that that really everybody is kind that are working still are still um, thinking about they want a, a good wage increase, they want to maintain their health benefits. Um, but we also know the other side of the table doesn't just want to give us that because they like us. They want something in return. So, so they do come after things like um, work area agreements or staffing levels at prisons, um, things like that, um, that could harm the current workforce. And you're working, Gina, correct? You're working. You're also negotiating safety of, in the workplace for workers, but safety in the workplace for patients, safety for patients Absolutely. too, correct? Absolutely. When you think of staffing levels, like I said earlier, you know, some of our um, residents that we care for have some pretty severe behaviors. So you have to have the appropriate staffing levels to meet the needs, but those staffing levels help protect the individuals that maybe are unable to defend themselves or protect themselves from some of that. So when, when police, when I talk to police about collective bargaining, they will also bargain safety vests for their, for their FOP members or their whichever police union they're in, or, or teachers will ne- negotiate on for class size because that affects the people whom they, not just the teacher, but the, the students they serve. Well, let, let, me, let me ask both of you. One of the great things about this country is that the axiom that is absolutely true that unions built the middle class in this country without the union movement, we would look more like Brazil. We would look like a country with 
you know, a, a number of people at the top and everybody else sort of lower middle class or, or poorer than that. Uh, we have a strong middle class in this country in spite of the attacks on organized labor from all sides, especially Republicans in Congress mm-hmm. and in Columbus. Um, Lee, talk about that. How, how, when, you, when you hear the term unions built the middle class, where do you go with that? Well, I mean, that, that's a fact. Uh, nobody can deny that. And unions not only improve the work lives and the lives of uh, the members that we represent, but they also improve the lives of those who are not even in the union. Uh, because uh, we're able to lift wages, we're able to lift benefits, and, and those that aren't in unions, they don't follow all the way, but they've got to kind of try to match it or come close. So we've improved the work lives of everyone, union and non-union alike. And that's what's so ironic about these attacks that, uh, that we're under right now, Sheriff, because uh, we have a seat at the table. When you have a seat at the table, you can talk about the issues that impact on your work life, impacts on your families, impacts on your communities. And we have people now, some very, very powerful people, who are trying to take collective bargaining away from us. They don't believe that we should have a seat at the table. They don't believe that we should have the freedoms to negotiate better wages and benefits. They don't believe that we should have the freedom to be able to attend the PTA meeting uh, to talk about what's happening in the schools with our kids because we've got the time off that was negotiated uh, by the union. Uh, they don't believe that we should be able to take our, our parents or grandparents to the doctor's office because we've got the time right now to do so. We got that time through collective bargaining, through sitting down at the table and talking about what needs to be done and how, how, how we can make this a, a fair and equal process. And uh, those, those rights, quite honestly, are under attack right now, especially especially in the public sector, where uh, right now we have 35% across the country that are organized in the public sector. Unfortunately, in the private sector, you've got about 6% organized. So, uh, you know, they have been pretty successful in gutting the private sector. But now we've got a big bullseye on our backs where they're coming after us, and they don't want us, and they don't want to see us have the kind of ability that we have to move a progressive agenda to support Working families who are trying to play by the rules every single day, uh, they want to take that ability of us being able to do that. They want to take it away. Listening to Lee reminded me of one of my parents' best friends when I was growing up in Mansfield, Ohio. His name was Barney. Barney had a white-collar, non-union job at Fisher Body at General Motors in Mansfield. He didn't think much of the union. I'll never forget the day my dad said to him, hey, Barney. Did you ever notice how your wages, your salary, go up every time the UAW has a negotiated wage increase? I'm not sure that my dad's comments, teasing perhaps, made much of a difference to Barney, but it taught me a fundamental lesson that's true to this day. When workers do well because they have a voice to fight for higher pay and better working conditions through their union, when these workers do well, everyone does better. Uh, the work, the UAW workers do better. So did Barney and white-collar workers that didn't have a union. So do people in the community um, do better because these workers are paid a decent living wage and are spending money at the local hardware store and paying their property taxes so we have good police, fire, 
protection and teachers and good public schools. Our economy grows when workers have more money in their pockets. That's how you build a strong middle class. But that principle that unions advocate on behalf of all workers, even workers who don't, who don't join the union, that principle is what's at stake with the Supreme Court case I mentioned, Janus versus Askme. Let's hear more from Lee explaining the case earlier this year. Well, there is a, a Supreme Court case that will be heard February 26th of this year, which essentially take away the freedoms that we enjoy as union members in the public sector. Uh, the case is, if in fact the Supreme Court rules uh, the wrong way, it will overturn existing law of 40 plus years, which enables the uh, public sector across the country um, to collect what we call fair share fees from individuals who choose not to be members of the union, yet we still have the obligation to represent them. You still do their grievances. You still, still do, do their grievances, collective bargaining. Collective you do. bargaining. But what you've got happening right now is you've got the, uh, the major corporations thinking that um, uh, they can not only hurt us, but in their own words, they want to defund and defang public sector unions. I'm using, that's a quote, in their own words, they want to defund and defang public sector unions because they understand that we stand in their way. And so what this case will do is strip away the ability for us to um, receive those agency fee uh, uh, dollars from those individuals who choose not to be members, yet they continue to receive the same level of benefits. But it's a bigger question than that, Sherrod. It really is. Uh, it's a question about, are we going to have a seat at the table? Um, do we deserve a seat at the table? Are we going to fight to have a seat at the table? And the, the, the answer to that question is, yeah, we're going to fight. We're going to make our voices heard. But it's an attack on those individuals that want more power and more wealth at the expense of working families, whether you're in a union or not, who are trying to play by the rules every single day, who are scuffling to make ends meet. I don't know if you saw this, but uh, uh, I guess last week uh, uh, some new statistics came out where the CEO pay is now 265 times higher than the average worker's salary in this country. That is the biggest differential that this country has ever seen, and it's the biggest differential of any major industrial country. Again, it's a power play. It's a power play, pure and simple. And what they're trying to do with the Supreme Court case is to take resources and take power away from us. And so we don't have the ability uh, to represent our workers and to support those individuals like yourself uh, who believe in supporting working families in Ohio uh, and across the country. The, uh, as I said, the case will be um, heard February 26th. There will be a decision coming down no later than June of this year. Uh, and uh, we're planning, uh, you know, we're hoping that we'll win, that uh, uh, sane heads will prevail. Uh, but we're also planning that uh, we may not win. And that requires us to think a little bit differently within our union where we're talking to members uh, like, uh, uh, like Gina uh, more often, uh, we're listening to our members across the country, what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong, asking them to engage in the union activities because they are the union, not me. They are the union, those 1.6 million members across the country. Uh, and so we can make our voices heard. We're also working very closely with the other uh, public sector unions who will be affected by this, SEIU, AFT, NEA. Uh, the four largest unions in the country happen to be public service unions for the most part. 
So you wonder why they've got a bullseye on our back. Yeah, they know exactly they what they're doing. You know, when you think about what the union movements meant, I mean, the, I, I watch I watch people in this town. I watch people in Washington. I see their members back in Ohio. They talk to me about things like a fair tax system. They talk to me about things like civil rights and women's rights. They talk to me about clean air and clean water rules. And they talk to me about helping Workers that are not just union workers. The, the union, of course, is helping Gina. She's a member. But they also help other workers in the community to just get a better deal out of our society and out of our government. And that, that's, that's what unions mean. Most of America does not belong to a union. A whole lot of people want to, but there's no union available in their workplace. But everybody, everybody, particularly workers, middle class people, people that aspire to the middle class uh, benefit from unions. Let me, before closing up, is there anything you want to add to any of this, Gina, and then we will wrap it up? You know, I can just say, you know, I agree with everything that Lee just said, that, that it is a bunch of corporate fat cats, basically, that are that don't, don't do my work or they don't do the work of a corrections officer or a snowplow driver, a police officer, a school teacher, that are really coming in and and trying to to say that they can manage it better and they don't need to sit down and talk to us, but that they can just put out there what they want um, without ever walking in our shoes. Talking with Gina and Lee about what their union cards meant to them reminded me of my wife, Connie Schultz. Connie grew up in Ashtabula in the far northeast corner of the state. Her dad carried a union card from the Utility Workers of America. He worked at the old illuminating company right on Lake Erie. He worked at a power plant. He was a maintenance worker, which meant that he carried a 15-pound wrench with him all day, and he could fix damn near everything in that plant. Later, after her dad passed away, Connie got a tour of the plant and got to see what he did with that wrench. She kept it, and that wrench has been in her house for years as a reminder to her, and frankly to me, of everything her father and his union job were able to do for her and her family. Connie got very sick when she was a 16-year-old um, from asthma. She spent time in the Cleveland Clinic because her dad had a good health care plan. She's lived healthily for the last four decades as a result. When Connie was first in the family to go to college, she went to Kent State. All three of her siblings got to go to school because of that union card. I have a request to everyone listening. If you have a union card or your parents had a union card, share your stories with us. It's so important we share these stories because the union movement is under attack like it's never been in Lee's lifetime, in my lifetime, and never been under attack like this in Gina's lifetime. If you have a story to tell, email me at canarycast at brown.senate.gov. With that, I'd like to end with Gina's story her pitch to friends, family, and strangers to inspire all of us to keep fighting for workers and keep fighting for unions in our communities. Um, I'm telling all of my friends, my families, my coworkers, my neighbors, you know, take time and be down there because like you said, whether they're part of a union or not part of a union, the unions lift everybody up and bring up wages for everybody so that that um, people get a fair, fair shake and they can go out and have have dinner or send their kids to college, things like that. So it's it's just important that we we all stand up and fight back against these these corporate leaders that think that they know what's best.